0: To obtain the Breton territories in a way that could not be disputed, William appealed to the king. In 927, at the very beginning of his rule, he had commended himself to Charles the Simple, whom Herbert of Vermandois had briefly released from prison. After Charles's death, the situation was much clearer. With the Carolingians now apparently out of the picture, William could turn to the Robertian king without denying his old bonds of loyalty. So, in 933, he commended himself to Rudolf. In return, Rudolf granted him the land of the Bretons situated on the shore of the sea—that is, according to most commentators, Contenton and Avranchin. By the time of William Longsword, then, the territory of Normandy had been established in almost definitive form. To the west, the border was now defined by the Cousnon, which marked the boundary of the diocese of Avranches to the northeast it was bordered by the brel and well protected by the fortress of o true william longsword would still intervene in the north to thwart the ambitions of count arnulf of flanders in 939 arnulf seized the castle of montreuil through cunning Helgo's son and successor herluin turned to william for support with william's help he managed to recapture the castle This was a serious blow to Arnolf's ambitions, but it made him William's implacable enemy. The Montreuil affair was certainly one of the reasons, if not the main reason, for the ambush at Piquangui in 942. The southern borders were less clearly delineated. Although the concession of 924 may have included the whole of Maine, the territory that was in fact acquired corresponded only to the Himois. It was not until the end of the rule of Richard I, sometime between 990 and 996, that the duke intervened in the region. The south of the Diocese of Sez remained a march that largely escaped the control of the Dukes of Normandy until the 11th century and beyond, and one part of this diocese would never become part of territory of Normandy. The future Archdeaconates of Belem and Corbonnet which were added to the county of Peche. In the southeast, the river Havre was reached in the 930s, but this was another fringe area, claimed by the Count of Blois, Theobald the Trickster. He seized the county of Chartres, and even took possession of Evresin for a few years, 960 to 965. It was only after 965 that Duke Richard I was really able to assert his authority in Evresin. Similarly, the Pagus of Lisieux seems to have escaped ducal authority until the end of the 10th century. As we have seen, the establishing and strengthening of the borders was the cause of many conflicts during the 10th century. The more or less avowed aim seems to have been to extend the authority of the Duke over the whole territory— which, on the spiritual plane, was dependent on the Archbishop of Rouen. This aim was almost completely realised. The only areas not to be absorbed into Normandy were the French Vexin, which belonged to the Diocese of Rouen, and Peche, most of which belonged to the Diocese of Cez. The case of Normandy is unique in the whole of the Kingdom of France. No other principality coincided almost exactly with an ecclesiastical province— This suggests the extent to which the first dukes were able to form special links with the church, and especially with the Archbishop of Rouen. From Paganism to Christianity Relations between the Scandinavian rulers and the church were not easy at first. Rollo was seen as a pagan chief, and could only be accepted if he agreed to be baptised. But this baptism not only of Rollo, but also of his companion, was not enough to make the Normans good Christians. Conversion was an eminently political act, as many Viking leaders had realised. Was Rollo's conversion sincere? This is a very difficult question to answer. Dudo presents him as a committed Christian, who made gifts, even of regions he had not yet conquered, to the principal churches of the province of Rouen. We know that there is a great deal of reconstruction in this version of events, written nearly a century